Thank you, John and Ryan. It's always a lot of fun with you guys. Now, I feel I've got to clear something up real quick before we get into the message for this morning. There's been some banter around the comment section. I've heard that I've been walking my cat. Now, can I just clear up? I have never taken my cat for a walk in that capacity. However, I do think it would be awesome. But I think the trick is, and this is what I've actually researched this, having tried to teach my cat to do this, you've got to get them into the habit while they're a kitten. So for anyone with cat owners, don't even try it. They just freak out go crazy. But anyway, that's not what we're here to discuss this morning. If you've got any other funny stories in the comments, feel free to keep sending those through and engage with what's happening here this morning at True North. Now, I don't know about you sitting at home or wherever you might be. I have been loving the Essential series over the last couple of weeks. Dean's been doing an incredible job and we can, we can thank Dean, maybe give him a fist bump in the comments section as well. And one of the things that it triggered in me over the last couple of weeks, I've never really done this before, but thinking about that gift of limits that he spoke into last week. I started thinking about my diet and the things that I'm consuming. So I got one of those food tracking apps where it kind of, you know, you can break down and follow uh, the different foods that you're eating and how your, how your uh, inputs are going from a dietary point of view. You might have done that. You can give us a comment uh, online if you want to share your experience with that. But anyway, I started doing it. So I loaded up the app and first of all, I had to give it some information about myself kind of my height, my weight, my kind of activity level. And then what it did, it gave me a ceiling, a limit for how many calories I should consume in the day. And for me, it came in at about 2,000 calories. So that meant that everything that I ate, all the inputs coming in, couldn't go above that 2,000 calorie ceiling. And I discovered after a few days, right, that I could either get to that ceiling by eating like a good range of foods with balance, you know, some carbohydrates, some proteins, a little bit of fat, some fruits, some veggies, and all the essential minerals and nutrients that my body needs to thrive and be healthy and function as it was created to function. Or, alternatively, I could get to that same 2,000 calorie limit by eating just four McFlurries. Just four, and I get to the same ceiling. Now, within a McFlurry, there's only, you know, there's sugars, there's fats, and probably a selection of disclosed chemicals that we'd rather not think about as they're coming into our bodies. So I can get to that same limit of inputs, eating a range of things that are essential for my body to function at its best, or I can, I can eat just four McFlurries and bring some things into my body that it doesn't even really need. Now, as I got thinking about this more, and I hope you've had some experiences over the last week reflecting on those great two messages that we've got up in our Essential series, that you've probably been thinking about it in some different avenues of life as well. And today, I want to start thinking about what are those specific essential inputs that my soul requires to thrive and function as God created it to within me, for me to experience the kind of life that God always created me to know and experience, Or is my soul operating on what is the equivalent of four spiritual McFlurries? So here's one of the ingredients to the soul that is essential to cultivating cultivating a life shaped by who God is, and it's the Scriptures, the Word of God, and what it means to engage with the Scriptures. So here's a question that we've got to ask ourselves when we consider what the Bible is. And you might be tuning in this morning and you've never read Scripture before. Maybe you've read it a lot in different rhythms in your life. And whatever your current perspective on the Bible, it's going to fall into one or two categories in each of our lives, either essential 
or non-essential. Now, I've been doing some fun reading around Scripture and engaging with Scripture over the last couple of weeks and, uh, and checking out the results of some different Bible surveys that have been put out by big churches or big church organizations, Bible society type places. And what they're trying to get a sense of is what makes it challenging for people to engage in Scripture. And there's two key words that I notice keep coming back at the results of all these surveys. So the first one is this, why people don't engage with Scripture. Number one is that it is irrelevant, that there is a disconnect between what I experience when I read Scripture and how it connects to my experience of life today. And because of that disconnect, it's irrelevant. And because I believe it's irrelevant, it stays in a non-essential part of my life. That's the first complaint. Now, the second complaint is that it's confusing. It doesn't make sense. I can't piece together what's happening. Now, when anything is confusing and irrelevant, it's very hard for it to become an essential part of our lives. So I wonder what is it that leads us to a place, whether cognitively or in the natural rhythms and flows of our lives, that Scripture becomes non-essential. Here's the first thing that I believe we lack if Scripture remains in a non-essential part of our life, is a formed belief system around what Scripture actually is. That there is a faith component to what it means to engage with Scripture. There are some foundational beliefs around what God's Word is in order for it to become its intended essential input for our souls. And then the second thing that we sometimes lack is a framework for engagement. A framework to actually engage with the fullness of what Scripture is and to prevent it from becoming confusing too often. Now, what I want to do today is focus on what are the beliefs that we need to cultivate around Scripture for it to become alive in our lives. What are some of the the beliefs around Scripture that we want to build together, remember together, be renewed in together? And to begin, I want to take you to a passage of Scripture in 2 Timothy. And it's written by Paul, who Dean introduced a little earlier in our service. And part of his ministry was to influence and shape some young Christian leaders. And one of those young man was Timothy. And this book in the New Testament is Paul's letter to the younger Timothy. And here's what he has to say to Timothy as he reflects on how do I cultivate a love for Scripture in the life of Timothy? How can I cultivate a belief that Scripture is absolutely essential? And here's what he has to say in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. And listen to this first statement. All Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture contains the breath of God. The dynamic, active presence of God is contained within Scripture. So Paul begins to speak about the belief around the composition of what Scripture is. That it's not just a book like any other book, but it actually contains the living breath and spirit of God. And then he moves on from his ideas around the beliefs of composition of Scripture to then what Scripture cultivates and brings to life in us. Let's read the second part of the verse. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, bringing the right shape to our lives that God created us to live out of, bringing that shape to who we are. And in verse 17, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That I love this thought that Scripture is God-breathed 
and it forms something positive in me. It forms right living in me, that I make the right kind of choices so that I can do good on behalf of others. But let's lock in for a moment on this idea of being God-breathed. Now, Paul, when he wrote this letter to Timothy, he's writing in Greek. And the word that he uses to talk about the breath of God is a Greek word called pneuma. And this is an interesting word because in the Greek language that Paul's writing in in this letter, that word pneuma captures the essence of what human breath is, but also the essence of what spirit is. And in ancient context, it makes a little bit of sense, as you imagine as they're experiencing life. The moment where they recognized where a person had come to the end of their life was when they stopped breathing. They recognized, they noticed that the breath had left them. And at that moment, they knew as well that the spirit had left them, and they were no longer a living, breathing person, that the spirit had left their body, and now they were just a form, no longer living, no longer active, no longer dynamic. And then Paul uses this word, the pneuma of God, the living, active spirit of God that brings to life something that is the form of a book or an app on your phone and brings it to life through the spirit of God to a living, dynamic, transformational experience for us to engage in. You know, that phrase, the breath of God, Paul uses it with some strategy in his writing to Timothy. He's using a phrase borrowed from the Old Testament that both he and Timothy were familiar with. This idea of God breathing his spirit into things. The first time we hear about it is in the account of creation in Genesis chapter 2, where God breathes his spirit, his life, into the nostrils of humanity to take the form and bring it to dynamic life. And then later in Ezekiel, there's there's time and time again where, where the breath of God is described as taking something that is just form, something that that is lacking life and restoring it to dynamic, active life. That that same spirit, that same pneuma of God, breath of God, is what is Scripture. That it is God-breathed. It's not just another book, but it miraculously contains the very spirit, power, and presence of God. It is God-breathed. You know, there's another passage of Scripture which to me helps bring this to life in a whole new way again. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, listen to this. For the word of God is what? Living and active. It's this dynamic quality. I love this word dynamic to begin building a belief system around what scripture is. That it is actually alive and can do something dynamic in me when I engage with it. That scripture is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, pursing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That scripture does something dynamic within me. And here's a nice simple way of capturing it. If we go back to that account of creation in Genesis where God breathes his breath, his pneuma into humanity to create dynamic life that through scripture today when I engage with it and the breath of God contained within those passages that that same spirit of God is breathed into my soul anew and I can begin no matter where I'm at living in the purposes and functions that God created me to experience, created us as people to experience all the way back in Genesis. That the pneuma of God, the spirit of God contained in scripture brings that newness of life out of me. It's living, it's active. 
That's the first foundational belief around Scripture that I want to bring to the table this morning. But I've got another one. Are you ready for one more? And it comes around the person of Jesus. It comes around the idea that all of Scripture from Old Testament, uh, from Genesis, the first book of the Old Testament, to Revelation, the last book of the New Testament, all of it has a central idea. And it is the narrative of the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Sometimes I think of it that this way, that, that from the very start of Scripture, there's a golden thread that weaves its way through every moment, through every passage, through every book, through every part of history that's revealed in clarity within the Gospels and continues throughout the letters of the New Testament into Revelation. And that golden thread is the epic narrative of God's redeeming love in the provision of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we talk about it as the centrality of Christ, that the story of Scripture is the story of Jesus. And when I fully engage with the Scriptures, what I'm actually engaging with more fully is Jesus. You know, there's a picture here that I love, that when I continue to engage with Scriptures, I'm reminded that it cultivates fresh, renewed relationship with Christ in me. That it's a gift from God, made alive from His Spirit, to lead me closer to connection and relationship with the Father through the Son, Jesus. So now that when I read through Genesis, and I hear the story of Abraham, and I hear that he believes that, that he needs to sacrifice his son Isaac, but God says, no, stop, I will provide the sacrifice. I will provide the lamb. The lamb emerges from the bush and Abraham no longer has to sacrifice his son. That I see a foreshadow of what the father does upon the cross with his son, Jesus. As I go a little bit further in the scriptures and I get to the story of Moses and the giving of the law and I'm overwhelmed by the reality that I could never meet the requirements of that same law. But then I'm reminded of that golden thread weaving its way through scripture that is Jesus and I know the righteous requirements of the law are fully met in him. As I continue in Scripture and I get to the story of King David and I see this picture of a kingdom restored like God's people always believed they would have and I understand that it is just the smallest glimpse of the messianic kingdom to come in the name of Jesus. I go further into the Scriptures and I read of the prophets like Isaiah who describe the suffering servant, the Messiah that would be broken for our behalf and then I see Jesus come alive again through the Scriptures. Then I get to the Gospels and I hear a crazy man in the wilderness cry out, behold the lamb, Jesus of Nazareth. The lamb is here. That golden thread, that central story has arrived. And then throughout the rest of the New Testament, every letter that's written is a response to who Jesus is and what he has done. A story that continues to be written in your life today as you respond to the narrative of Christ contained within your scripture. So all of a sudden, if my faith is in Jesus, if I believe he's my saviour, that once non-essential book becomes the living, breathing, dynamic, spirit-filled input to my soul that draws me closer to Jesus. So now the whole game has changed. The now engagement with Scripture equates to more fully engaging with Christ and becoming more into the shape that he created me to experience when he breathed his spirit into me in the Garden of Eden. And so when I engage with Scripture and recognize that golden thread of my Savior, the breath of God, the Spirit of God brings new life to who I am, new shape to who I am. And when you pick up the Scriptures, if you approach it with that heart of faith, you will 
find Christ and it will enrich your vision of who he is and begin to cultivate the shape of Christhood in your life more and more. That is what our scriptures are. But there's one other part of this that makes me fall in love with the scriptures even more again. That at that central moment of scripture, that epic grand narrative, that golden thread throughout all of scripture, at the most crucial moment of the most crucial story in all of God's word, there is a point of connection between my life and the life of Jesus. You know, sometimes we think that the cross is something that just happened to Jesus. That through the Old Testament and the prophets, we can maybe see that it's coming. But maybe we think that the cross was just something that Jesus had to endure, that he had no choice about it. It was something that he had to suffer through. But no, Jesus chose the cross with universal redemptive intention. That includes you and includes me. And at that moment on the cross, my story is connected to the grand story of Scripture. And here's what brings this to life for me. There's a passage of Scripture in Hebrews 12, verse 2, that says, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And listen to this part of the verse. For the joy set before him, for the joy set before him endured the cross. He chose it because of the joy set before him. The Redeemer chose the cross because of the joy set before him. And the joy set before the Redeemer is always those that are to be redeemed. Your life, my life, there is a point of intersection between that golden thread of Scripture that can now continue in my own heart and soul when I place my belief in the reality that these Scriptures, that this Bible is not only the story of Christ, but it is the beginning of the story of Christ's renewal in my life today. That's what the Scriptures are. As my life continues to take shape around who Jesus is and the fullness of who Jesus is, it's dynamic, it's life-giving. So we've got some beliefs around Scripture. But what we also need is a framework. We need a framework to engage with Scripture. You want to give you a picture for a moment. I, I look at the life of a, a good friend of mine, Dean, who's the, the senior pastor here at True North, and, you know, an awesome guy, and I see God do so many, so many incredible things in his life. But here's what I know and understand, that when I look at his life and look at his connection to God and what God is doing in and through him, I know that engagement with Scripture has been a central part of him becoming who he is today. Now, let's say I know that cognitively. I know that Scripture has produced this in my friend Dean, but I've got no idea how it did. I've got no idea how Dean engaged with his Bible. I've got no idea what reading plans he used, what, what knowledge he had that was given as a foundation for him to engage well throughout the different passages, throughout the different books. I see the end result, and I say, that's what I want for my life. I know Scripture was essential to it, but I've got no idea what the framework was that produced that result in his life. We can think about it another way for a moment. Let's say I'm going to make a cake. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build a cake. And let's assume I know nothing about making a cake. And in fact, as I said, build a cake. I think that illustrates that I know nothing about making cakes because you kind of, you, you bake them, right? That's, you bake the cake, you, you build it, you construct it. There's a trowel involved, there's mortar, you put it all together. Now, I know that I love cake. I love cakes that are made well, that look amazing, that taste amazing. And I see a cake and I'm like, that is awesome. Now, I know that that cake got made somehow. So let's assume, okay, I like cake. I like the look of that cake. I'm going to make that cake. Now, with no recipe, with no, uh, with no guidance of any kind, with no knowledge of any kind, we say, cakes are good. I want a cake in my life later this afternoon. I'm going to build a cake. Any men out there? Yeah, let's build a cake. You can fist bump that. We're going to get the ingredients. We're going to build it. We're going to bolt it together. It is going to be secure, strong. It's going to bear a load. That's, that's not what cakes are about, I'm sure. But let's say I do it, and I, I gather my ingredients together. I, I kind of, you know, hunk them together in a pile on the, the bench, and I think, okay, I, I'm guessing these are the, some of the ingredients that are required. I'll put a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Now, I'm pretty sure at some point there's some heat that's necessary to make, make this rise into a cake, so I put it on the barbecue. I let that thing do its work. And let, let me tell you, when I get to the end of that process, I'm going to produce something that looks nothing like what I hoped it would. Because there was no framework. There was no guidance. There was no understanding of what the ingredients are, how they come together, how you do it at the different times that are necessary to produce this amazing cake. So if we believe that scripture can cultivate something renewed in my soul that takes me closer to who God created me initially to be. But we don't have a framework to get there. We're going to end up a little bit like my cake that's going to fall short of its intended purpose. So framework becomes an important thing. How do we engage well with Scripture? And remembering that one of the main reasons Scripture remains a non-essential part of people's experience is because it's confusing. It doesn't make sense. A good framework is going to bring that to life in a whole new way. You know, this week here at True North... We're going, to be, uh, we're going to be doing some things together and releasing some resources to help give a foundation and framework to engage with Scripture. Over the next 10 days, starting tomorrow morning, we're going to be doing a reading plan together through the book of Philippians. It's a New Testament book where, written by Paul where he writes a letter of encouragement to a, a group of Christians, a church at a place called Philippi. And the whole letter is centered on this idea. How can my life have renewed shape through the story and redemptive work of Christ. And Paul brings that to the church at Philippi, but preserved in Scripture through the Spirit of God, it brings encouragement, shape, and challenge to us as well. So I want to encourage you tomorrow to start that reading plan with us. Uh, you can check that out at our website. We'll have the, the links for that on the Version app going out on socials tomorrow. And, uh, and I just encourage you, if you're, not, if you're a person that's never read the Bible before, this is the time to start. And on Version, you can make some friends, have some conversations around the Scriptures. If there's challenging parts, confusing parts, ask some questions in that space. You can do that in the comment section. Me and Dean will be doing some Q&A after the service here as well. So there's a reading plan that we're going to get into together. Now alongside that, we've prepared some resources uh, to, to help you get a, a bit of a foundation of how to engage with Scripture. Well, it's a, and we've got one great piece that's going to give you a bit of an overview of the whole experience of Scripture. I mentioned that golden thread of Christ weaving its way through all of the narrative. And we're going to see what uh, how the Old Testament 
Testament's pieced together? How the New Testament's pieced together? What are the books that we get to engage with? What are the different styles of literature? How do we engage with those differently? We're going to talk a little bit about translations. What's a good translation to use? And we're going to talk a little bit about context. And this is a, a great phrase that we're going to lean into a little bit more over this week, is how do we move from the then and there of Scripture? So today we've done that in Timothy, going from Paul's letter to Timothy, to then how do we go from the then and there to the here and now? How does it connect to my life and make a real difference? How do we make and believe and remember and understand how the Bible, how Scripture is profoundly relevant for our lives? So we're going to have some great resources uh, alongside that to come out to start building that framework for you as you continue to engage with Scripture. So we're going to finish here in just a moment by singing together an incredible song. And it's called New Wine. And this idea that through a process that sometimes is challenging, God can do a new and redeeming and renewed thing in each one of us. And the team's going to lead us in that in just a moment. So I'm going to welcome the, the team to come out and join us. And as we, as we get into that song together, I want to encourage you to have a prayer on your heart to say, God, would you do a new thing in me through my engagement with Scripture this week? You know, one of the, the greatest things that, that I started doing at my life in a certain point is that whenever I sat down to read Scripture, I'd pray a prayer like that. God, I believe that your Spirit is in this. God, would you speak to me as I read it? Just a simple prayer to say, God, I recognize that your breath, your spirit is in this scripture. Would you speak to me today through it? Would you speak to me through it? And so that's a great prayer we can pray. And in fact, I, I want to pray that same prayer of blessing over you this morning, that, that the scriptures would be something for you that draws you closer to Jesus, that brings the shape of Jesus to your life. And the Scriptures would be a new rhythm of your life that you go back to again and again and again to build a solid foundation in your experience of life. You know, there's a great parable in the New Testament where Jesus tells the story of a wise and a foolish builder, one that, that builds his house upon the sand, and when the waves come, the wind come, because there was no foundation, it's blown over. That the purpose of the house is lost. And then he talks about a wise builder who builds his house upon a solid foundation. And when the wind comes, the waves come, they bash against it, but they cannot move it an inch because the foundation is solid. Now, what Jesus is illustrating through this parable is that the wise man who builds on the solid foundation is like a man who hears and does what the Word of God says. Not just experiences it, not just reads it, but actually puts it into practice. Can I tell you something? This is one of the most important things in my mind, in my heart about what Scripture is. It's not an educational experience. It's a transformational experience. It's not something that we read more of to acquire more knowledge. It would be better to take the one most simple teaching of Jesus to love your neighbour as yourself and apply it in powerful ways in your life than know all of the Old Testament memorised word for word and not apply any of it. Scripture is transformational not educational. It's not a book like any other book that we read for entertainment or education. It's a book that through the breath and the Spirit of God brings radical transformation to the soul. Can I tell you, nothing else that you can hold in your hand will do that. 
but God's Word will. Let me pray for you this morning. I want to pray that God's Word would become like new in your hands this week. Whether you're reading it in a leather-bound book or on an app or in any other way, that it would be renewed and it would have fresh power in your life as you recognize that God's breath, His Spirit is in it. And God wants to breathe His Spirit into your life through engaging with the Scriptures. Let me pray for you. God, I want to thank you for your Spirit, for your presence here today in every household, in every room. For anyone that maybe even in this moment is holding their Bible, looking at their Bible. God, I pray that in their eyes, you would unlock the incredible created power of Scripture, Lord. God, I pray that we would never minimize what your Word is. But God, I pray that it would become powerful in our lives. God, I pray for each one of us that would be there, there would be one simple idea that can bring transformation to our heart and life as we apply it this week, Lord God. God, we want to be the builder that builds on that foundation that doesn't only hear, that isn't only educated, but applies what we experience. God, I want to thank you that you created us to know a completely whole, fulfilled, renewed life. God, through your word this week, would you breathe new life onto every person. And God, even as we gather and as we sing this song, new wine, Lord. God, that's our prayer in this moment that you would cultivate some new beliefs. And God, I pray those new beliefs around Scripture would cultivate some new rhythms and that those new rhythms would cultivate transformation in our lives, Lord God. We praise you, Jesus. God, would you do a new thing through our engagement with your Word. We praise you, God. Let's worship Him together, church.